Welcome back to the Right Boundless Podcast. Today is August 5th. This is episode number 23. To all the listeners, I want to say thank you. To all the new listeners, welcome to the Right Boundless Podcast. Uh, And to everybody else, make sure you like, subscribe, and share. Hit that five stars. Leave a review. Would love to read your review regardless of if it's good or bad. Uh, It's going to make us better. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Ride Clean. Ride Clean is an ultra premium polish, wash, and sealer. It's very simple to use. Just simply shake, spray, wipe. I use it on my helmets, motorcycle, car, interior, exterior, rims, tires. Uh, the stuff's amazing. Yes, it works on matte paint and it does wonders. It also offers UV protection. This episode, I have a very good friend of mine. We go back many years. He's a professional motocross racer, road racer. You'll see him on the tracks competing. He's been doing this forever. He has a new company called NFB, which stands for Not For Babies. Check out his gear. Uh, My good friend, Sal Zavik. So get ready for a good show because here we go. Hey, Sal, thank you for being here. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. How's, uh, how's this whole COVID-19 affecting you? That's <laughs> uh, a, a big question. It affects all of us, right? It affects all of us, but I heard you were losing friends. You were telling me you were losing friends oh, and yeah. they were taking you off your account. Yeah, I, I'm not losing friends, but uh, I think uh, people are... Um, it's funny because, you know, we have friends from both sides of the political spectrum. Right. And I've noticed that uh, on both sides, you got those people who are open to hear you and some people like like they can't even grasp that you have a different opinion. And that, and, and that's where the problem starts. Uh, it just write you off right away. I'm like, you can you can think whatever you want. And uh, I'm good with that. Uh, everybody has their own mindset about how they look at things and and what's more important for them and what's not. For me, I'm just a common sense kind of guy. And like, there's a lot of uh, holes in this whole COVID-19. I'm not saying it's not out there. Yes, obviously it's out there. Um, it affects our life. It's a real disease. But... Um, you know, we've seen worse than that, and nobody ever shut a country down. So I think they use this uh, virus for political gains on whichever side you want to look at that. But Yeah, but it's it's, it's all personal gain. Um, did you see that um, it, it was just released today? It was a bunch of doctors. On the chloroquine, whatever Yeah, saying called, that, yeah. hey, it's not that big of a deal. Open up schools. There's no. This is not enough reason to close down the, the U.S. economy. Don't be, you know, scared or feared. What's funny is I had three or four people send it to me, and they're all deleted. Yeah, I know. It, there's a lot of stuff that... Uh, that's that's um, so strange. If we thought that uh, the main mainstream media is, is biased and it's uh, controlled, it looks like Facebook also and all those, like, social medias are now being controlled because they've been purchased by those companies. But well, Yeah, they've, they've always been controlled. But yeah, the thing is that I, I saw the doctor thing and I've seen other stuff and, and 
and you connect the dots and this thing doesn't make sense because um in Obama's time there was the the other how do you call it N1 and H yeah, or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. in and 2011 or something N1 and yeah, H or something yeah. like that and there was like 60 million people can like they got in um how do you say it? like they got um infected with that and uh and the death ratio was a lot higher and if you look at numbers you know i don't care how many well i wouldn't say i don't care but the fact that there is a lot of people who got um um uh, how do you say it? like they, they got the the covid but you look at the death ratio it's funny because if you look at the at the more conservative states uh they don't have a lot of uh deaths compared to like uh liberal or democratic states right compare new york and and uh what's their name um florida right all they have about the same amount of people they have the amount about the same amount of people who got covid but there is like i don't know like a fraction of dead people from covid in florida versus new york and i don't think it's because in florida there's people that handle that better versus New York, I think they just counted differently. Like a guy the other day I've heard I've heard a story about a, a two kids in their 20s died from COVID. And you're like, "Man, that's really unusual because usually people that have underlying disease or something that usually yeah, pre-existing conditions. Yeah, they can't handle the the COVID, but so this guy called the hospital to find out, a reporter called the hospital to find out if they have underlying um um problems or something and he says well one of them died in a motorcycle accident but he had covid oh, <laughs> it's freaking crazy like That's... how do you count it yeah and, and you know so the problem is there's a lot of holes and this is why i don't trust anything they say anymore and, yeah it, it, it's it's a little tricky because I, i was talking to people um i've talked about this subject you know uh, quite a few times and You know, the doctors and the nurses that I know say it's difficult because if you get a person that's older, that's sick, that has flu, that has preconditions, that is at old age, and they die, well, right now the insurances are not covering covering a lot. I'm, I'm, that's my understanding, what they're telling me. And if they choose any of these other options over COVID, they won't get that extra pay Yeah, and, and money. Too, yeah. So that's why they're kind of defaulting everything to COVID, which also screws up the numbers. Yeah. And then it doesn't give us clarity. And then the other thing with Miami, fuck, Miami was the least, you know, caring state at the time when it came out. You know, I, I have yeah. family in Miami. They were still, you know, spring break had to still be partied. The carnival cruises. It was a big mess. They were being completely irresponsible. And uh, same thing, New York. I think the issue there is just, you know, too many people live on top of each other and yeah. elevate bu elevate buttons, and that's why they got it really bad. Well, like I said, uh, the amount of people who contract the, the, the virus, it's not... I, I don't think it's the main thing I'm looking at, at least from my point of view. I'm looking at how many people really die from COVID, you know, from real reasons of covid not bs like oh like this guy last last stage of cancer about to die if you sneeze on his face he died from covid yeah of course he's gonna die he's gonna die from flu too 
He's gonna die from there's many food things. poisoning, whatever. He is is done. Is is pretty much done by now. So they they manipulate the numbers to affect healthy regular people, which is unfair, I think. And I promise you that this whole COVID will magically disappear after November, because we yeah. all know what it what they're trying to do. But everybody say, well, then it's a worldwide disease. Why Why you think it's only about the election in the United States? Because the United States control the world well, as a, far as the, the, the economy. The, it's a world economy. Yeah, so we're pretty much leading what's going to happen. And, and It's kind of like, um, like before Trump, ISIS. Everybody talked exactly. about ISIS, ISIS, cutting yeah. heads. Oh, my God, ISIS, ISIS, ISIS. And then all of a sudden Trump comes in and... There's no ISIS. They vanished. Yeah. It's it's love the guy or hate the guy. It doesn't matter. This guy brought the economy back up like crazy. Um, yes, he's a little bit rough on the edges. He sometimes sounds like an idiot when he speaks, but I look at the results. That's all I care yeah, about. Yeah, everybody looks at the results. I, I, I think he does care too much about what people think. You know, when he hears the most silliest or stupidest thing, he he has to respond. Yeah. He feels like he's not a politician. Yeah, it, it's and and there's many things he could just avoid by not not paying attention to those little details. Oh, yeah. But he, you know, he gets involved. He was everyone. a very loved guy before he he ran for president. Yeah, everybody much. loved him. <laughs> now everybody hates him because that's what the media tells you to do. But um, you know, I all I care about is that I was broke under other administrations. Um, still not rich but i i have a house i own a house and you know it's it's all thanks to the economy yeah many people i know are in the same condition they're they're, they're living their best life right now you know yeah. uh, military veterans uh biz, small business owners big business owners people are buying houses i mean i don't know if it's a coincidence but a lot of people seem to be doing much better than than other administrators running the country it's funny because um, a lot of people are fed up with what's going on in California and they're moving out to Texas. A lot. <laughs> Which is the capital of, of conservative country. And, know, what's, state, and what's funny is that people from Texas are getting mad that so many Californians are moving there yep. because now their housing's going up, their prices are going up, their gas is going up. You know, it's that and, and I heard they start to take um, key... Um, positions in the running the state in Austin, for example, there's a lot of Democrats uh, start to oh, get involved, yeah, and they're like, they're like getting pissed already. I mean, the other day I had a debate with a friend about like uh, not a friend, somebody on Facebook. I have five thousand people there. I don't know everybody, but um, something about gas pricing, like how here it's over three dollars, in other states it was as low as dollar something. And um, they say, well, who's going to fix the roads? I thought that the state tax that I'm paying, which is almost 10%, is what's supposed to fix the roads. I thought that any other tax you're paying in, in your state should fix the roads, yeah. not gas tax and stuff like that. So it's, it, it, it's it just does, the it tax even everything. It's, we, it's, have, we have the worst roads in the, in the country. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, And... Especially yesterday was a tough day for me. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not an anti-vaccine guy, but 
There's one vaccine I was worried about, the MMR, because you read so many connections to autism and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if to believe everything, but I was worried. I'm not going to lie. I'd rather avoid that vaccine to my kids. And yesterday I had to do that vaccine. I had to vaccinate my daughter in order to be able to go to school. How old is she? She's a four and a half. Yeah. You're supposed to have it at uh, year one, eight, at one year old and um, at four years old. I skipped I skipped all the vaccines almost until she got a little bit older so her body get a little stronger. Um, so yesterday she did uh, the MMR. Man, not going to lie. I was shitting my pants the whole night. I didn't sleep because like I've, I've read but stories. She, she had fever? She had a little fever, but I was reading other stories about how kids just get the vaccine and like in 30 seconds, the parents see a change in their kid. But they say it's more toward kids in the age of like one or two years old is where they see the vaccine affect them. So I was kind of, I put everything on hold, but, and honestly, I would not even vaccinated her with the MMR, but um, I have no choice. If not, she can go to school. Yeah which is kind of like c communism. It's like they force you to do shit. If not, you're not getting anything. And uh, yeah, it's a very complicated it, situation. Yeah. If you're anti-vaccine or not, it doesn't matter. They should leave the choice for you. Yeah. I, I think, I, I, I think the, the issue there is that, you know, some kids don't get the vaccinated and then they get sick and then they get other kids sick that are yeah. not vaccinated. And it's just this. No, I understand. Remember, like when a kid gets, when a, when a child gets sick in school, you get the same diseases that all the other kids have. Exactly. You know, the same sicknesses that every other kid has. And it, it becomes very difficult to, to function. And I'll be honest, I, I don't know what's right or what's not. I got a, I got a year and a half. Uh, my baby's a year and a half. And, you know, he's got a vaccine coming up. And we're, we're like, we don't want to do it. We don't want to do it. We don't want to do it. But then, you know, it, it's weird. If you look at one research, there's plenty of research supporting it. And then if you look at the other side, there's plenty of, you know, research. We're not research opinions that it's not so valid. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm just like you. Like, I don't know what's right, what's wrong. But you know what? Just like the COVID-19, why do they delete off the Internet the stuff that go against the agenda? That makes me feel suspicious about it maybe they're right maybe they don't want me to to read the other stuff well because there's another agenda going on that's that's it doesn't partake to yeah. what they're leave plan it for is. me to decide you know why you have to delete stuff you it, know it, it's crazy because the the people there's people that hate donald trump so much i, I have a good friend of mine his brother he, he's a he's a good guy he's a hard worker you know he owns his own business he's but he has a hate and rage. And I've never seen him be aggressive until now that you talk about Trump. He gets mad. He's, <laughs> he's even hit the wall. And I'm like, man, I've never seen this from you. It, it brings out another side. And it's crazy to think how far they would take it to ruin the economy, to, to screw up you know, the United States of America just so they, they get a win or just for so they get a chance of winning. It, it really doesn't make sense it's, to me. It's not it. I've, 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 I've been really got into it. All these things sucked me in, 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 into it. And it's, a, it's a deep rabbit hole. <clears throat> it's, um, you find out that, you know, between Obama, Bush, um, Clinton, all those guys down to Reagan, um, they all pretty much the same. 
they're all being controlled by big pharmas, big banks, big all the big families, you know. Yeah. <coughs> and Trump is the only one that is not. And if you think about it, take it take us 5-6 years backwards and you would ask people what's the American dream? Donald Trump. Right. S- then he ran for president. I promise you that if he would run for president on the democratic platform, it would be it would be a hero. You wouldn't be a guy that is being hated. Well, the, just to continue your point, it's it's interesting because like all the all the previous presidents, they all follow the same agenda. Yeah. And and now you can tell that they don't like him because he doesn't follow the agenda. He does whatever he thinks is right to do it however he wants. And this is what causes the rage and the madness because, hey, he's not playing by our rules. It's, it's, it's very much breaking the, the, the template. Is not, is not playing with the globalists, uh, which, you know, it can be either Republican or Democrat or Libertarian, whatever, but they all play to the same tune of the globalism. And that's where he's like different. Yeah, he's like he's is making America uh, like a separate country, like it should be. Like every country should have their own um, uh, stuff, you know. And, and right, and and we can't be the world's police. We can't fix everybody's oh, problem. Yeah. We can't stick our nose in everything. And and there's a lot of things that are not uh, making sense. Like um, you know, me being in the solar industry. Um, I'm, I'm having a little, little bit of experience with, uh, um, you know, um, the world, um, how do you call it? Where they have like the clean energy, um, yeah, um, yeah the, um, the clean air, uh, yeah, all that yeah. stuff. And, and we were a part of it and we're America, I think America was the biggest, uh, um, um, money, you know, uh, donator donator to that organization. And the funny thing is that countries like China and India, they're the biggest polluters on the planet and they pay nothing into that organization. And they expect America to follow this, this most strict regulations and everything. And we're good. We're doing really good in, in that spectrum. We're, we're definitely doing good because I remember... I remember in the 80s, you know, 80s, 90s, California. The do you valley, remember the yeah. do you remember the the smog or not yeah. the smog, the pollution that the, we used to have? It was yellow, especially when you would look at from the valley yep. to downtown and now it's, it's it's much better. It's a lot better. We're doing great and and we're still paying for everybody. And it's all taxpayer money. Take that money and put it back into our country. Why do we have to spend it outside, you know? I understand there's a lot of uh, a lot of money going out, and we need to help people outside because some of the problems out there we created them. You know, like we, we do, but we need to choose our battles. We can't yeah. save everybody. Exactly, you know? and, and, and and then a lot of governments, you know, a lot of countries that I've traveled to, you know, it's always the same thing. It's the government taking advantage. It's the government that's advancing. It's the people that are always suffering. I mean, it's very unfortunate, but we can't fix everything we can help as many as we can we can you know guide and we can show and we can lead but to like come over and and start a war and you know protect it's insane we're gonna we're gonna burn up through our resources yeah i mean there's a lot of wars that are not necessary and uh but it is necessary for some people to create uh 
reasons for us to be in certain places in the world so we can um you know control stuff but you know i'm i'm very um on defense on a lot of things you know like uh you, you take an example uh libya right yeah they're not the most friendliest uh country in the world but they, why did they take Gaddafi out really right. he had the biggest uh stash of, of gold in the world he had the most like if you look for gold he had he had the biggest stash in the world they also they say something about like he has uh, more uh printed dollars in his um in his country than almost than the united states That's um, crazy it's crazy like he was the richest Does man that even makes sense world. Cash flow, he was the richest man on the planet. That's what they say. And that's one of the reasons they took him out. They don't care about human rights and stuff like that. Supposedly, that's why they went in That was the right. reason. Yeah, look in Africa. The, the, that's where you want to look for human rights, you know, and stuff like that. There's a lot of places on the planet that there is human rights. Well, let's start with China. Well, forget that. Start start here in America. <laughs> go, go to downtown LA. Go to Skid Row and look what's mm -hmm. going on. Go on the 101 and get off on any single exit and tell me what you see is not ridiculous. There is tents on every exit from the 101, from downtown, all the way up to almost Tarzana. You, yeah, I just read an article the other day. Uh, not really the whole article, but I read uh, a part of it. And they say there was like an increase in, in the homeless population of 12%. That's it's huge. Year. It's huge, but well, because they passed the laws. What? But, which laws? Well, the, the first law was uh, you you can't you can't sleep on sidewalks. Then Newsom passed the law saying no, it's public property. You can completely stay on sidewalks. That's not an issue. So then the homeless and people started sleeping on the sidewalks. After that, there was a law in California that you couldn't sleep in your car, and then they made it into a law where you could sleep into your you could sleep in your car, and that's completely legal. So those two things have been getting crazy. And now you have people sleeping in their car that have jobs but can't afford to live in, a in, in an apartment. You know, I mean, you, you, the, you know, you get a shitty apartment in Van Nuys. You know, I'm talking about shitty. Yeah. And you're still mm. paying $1,300, $1,500 for a, a one-bedroom or a studio. That's that's insane. I, I agree. And, and, and what I was about to say is that I think part of the homeless uh, population growth is is not only it's actually not from California. It's people coming from out of states because there are so much benefits for homeless people. Yeah. So they come here and they say, "Okay, yeah, I get free healthcare. I get this, 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 this in in California." You know, they give you all that good stuff as a homeless, well, no. which w in another right. state you won't get it. Right. So the growth is not only because people lost their jobs in California. It's not because people can cannot afford stuff. And it, it's it, it's it's that there is more laws protecting the homeless in the state of California than any other state, and that's been a long history of that. Yeah. In the in the I want to say in the seventies, in the seventies, it was a very similar situation, and other states would fill up buses with homeless people. And take them because San Francisco is like the capital yeah. of like, you know, so they would get, you know, different states would get their homeless and send them to San Francisco and wow. open up the doors and let, you know, let them fill the streets. Uh, the other reason, I mean, and this is just my, you know, 
common sense of thought. But another reason people come, uh, there's so many homeless, is because the weather's pretty weather's, fucking nice. Yeah. That's why I don't even leave this state. <laughs> yeah, the, the what? That's why none of us leave this state yeah. because you, the weather, the, just the weather by itself, you don't get those crucial winters. You don't get the fucking humidity. You know, um, yeah. heat from that you get from Florida or New York. You don't get those extreme weathers. You have a consistent wet. Even you being a motorcycle rider, which we'll get into in a little bit, we get eleven months out of the year to ride. Like how insane is Pretty that? Pretty much twelve. Pretty much 12, yeah, because our, our rain is not even rain. Our rain is like yeah. sprinkling, whatever, and maybe we'll get a few days of actual rain rain. And it's nothing. People from the East Coast laugh at our rain because it's it's silly. It's nothing. Yep. You know, over there, it's 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 a shower. It's a full-on, full-blast shower. For days, yeah. For day, and And it's on and off. One moment you'll be standing and it's sunny, and the next moment clouds come in, and it's just pouring rain on you we don't have that issue so that's that's one of the that's another reason i believe that there's so many homeless in california yeah i went uh i went to seattle to uh shoot a commercial there and in september i left california sweating i got there i needed i needed a coat not in, in not seattle even a jacket yeah it well was seattle raining. rains 10 months out of the year i mean that that's not even it was snow in the yeah. mountains yeah, no, Seattle's another beast. I've been up there a few times and I've never I've never seen the sun out there. It's just constantly raining. You know, that's yeah, that's I how the weather I can't do that. How how is um how is the whole um current situation, the COVID nineteen, how how is this affecting the solar industry? Uh solar is actually um it's funny because you know, I work for a company that is nationwide and um in California it's affecting it, but in a sense of not the amount of not in the amount of sales. It's more about how you uh, handle the business. A lot. Of, some people don't want you to come to their house. Some people said, "Okay, come, but let's sit outside." Uh, some people only over the phone. Um, so the you know, process, emails, the process is different. But it didn't slow down the industry. On the contrary, because now people are not working. They're looking at a bill of let's say two hundred bucks a month, and you give them a payment of like ninety dollars or hundred dollars. They're saving fifty percent um, on the payment. It's just make it easier for them, you know, and and it makes sense, especially with the price hikes that we always see with the power companies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's busy, but out of state, out of California, there's a lot of states that are they're not really feeling the COVID because they live in, in places where they don't get to see people all the time. Right. They don't live on top of each other like the yeah, major cities I, do. I was talking to this lady over the phone and, um, and uh, I told her um, like, okay, I'm going to shoot over the proposal, open it up. Let's look at that together and, and, and see if it makes sense for you. And she goes like, well, I cannot do that. I told her why. And she goes, because I'm talking to you right now from, about a mile and a half away from my house because I don't have reception where I live. Oh my and God. I told her, but you have internet at home? She goes, yes. I thought, well, your phone should be working if you have internet. She goes, it doesn't work. Uh, but it's just... Well, that depends. Working or not, the point was like... Um, she, that's how she, people live. She don't see anybody for days. Yeah, that's she, how people she, live. And and her issue probably was that she has like AT&T and AT&T doesn't let you do the Wi-Fi calling 
Like T-Mobile's oh. always allowed the, t- the the Wi-Fi calling. Okay. Sprint started doing that. Now they've got bought out by T-Mobile. But there's certain companies that block it out for whatever stupid yeah. reason. So, yeah, some but people just go grocery shopping for a whole week and then they don't see people after yeah. that. So Are you don't kidding? They don't even do that. They call Amazon Prime. Amazon <laughs> Prime delivers. They get a shipment once a, once a week, once a month, and that's it. That's how yeah. people live. But, yeah, so it's, it's different. But uh, in California, you definitely feel the covid I actually, for a minute, kind of liked the COVID situation because, like, driving Traffic. was so <laughs> easy. Traffic. Man, like, w- like getting to downtown LA from my house can be, like, sometimes an hour and a half. Yeah. But it takes me literally, if there's no traffic, under 15 minutes. Yeah, I can get there in, in 10 minutes now. Yeah, so it's it's much better. But uh, it looks like it start to get... Uh, there's its moments there's its moments where it's uh it, it's getting packed up especially if you're on a car so let's uh let's get into your your motorcycle background because that's okay. really exciting how would you for the for the sake of the listeners how would you introduce yourself and where can we find you um uh i go by sal my uh full name is sahar zvek actually some people because i present i introduce myself as sal and they see my name on the on the um timesheet and stuff like that they see sahar so they don't make the connection yeah <laughs> there's a lot of people that talk to me and don't know that that you're sahar yeah so uh but yeah i'm uh i've been racing for about 18 years i i started pretty late to be honest first time i put a leg over a motorcycle i was i think i was like 24 yeah and then i started racing in uh, europe in age about 27 or so um I ran. What's the what's the average rate? First of all, what kind of motor? Again, just for the listeners, what kind of motorcycle do you ride? What kind of races did you start? And what's the average age that people usually start to get into this industry? Um, so I right now I'm riding a Kawasaki Ninja um, ZX10. It's a, a 1000 cc, but most of my life I was on the 600. It's only in the recent years that I uh, jumped up to the. Uh, leader bike um they call it a super bike uh, race bike uh, street bike whatever people call it uh but it's the fast one <laughs> fast one <laughs> uh yeah That's i do motocross for fun and and uh you know uh, fitness yeah i've seen uh, a lot of posts on your instagram racer 161 right correct yes racer 161 um i uh I need to uh, maintain my page a little better, get more followers. <laughs> Be consistent. Yeah, I'm, that that's a tough one, but uh, um, yeah, it's um, it's been a life journey for me. I think I, um, you can say that almost half my life I've been riding a motorcycle. So, uh, but to answer your questions, with 18 years of racing experience, I have over 20 years of riding experience, but. Um, uh, the racing experience I have, which is 18 years, that would be a retired racer now. Yeah. Most most racers, I say most and not all of them, they usually come from a family where the the dad wants the kid to ride a bike and like they put him on a motorcycle at age three. Right. So it's it's like a, a second nature for them. Like you don't have to be talented to be fast on a motorcycle. It's just repetition. Like I don't consider myself a talented guy, although I he- I heard it a few times from people. But I don't consider myself a talented guy. I just like to. Um, when I was younger, I went on what they call like um, ballsy moves, but 
uh, with time I acquired some skills. Um, you know, I don't feel like I'm anything special, but I, I can get up there, you know, uh, in good days when I feel comfortable on the bike. And, uh, you know, I, I understand it's not my, uh, my, uh, livelihood, my, I, I don't depend on that for, to make money. Right. Is, is that always so it's always been a hobby or it's more than a hobby it's it's uh my life surrounds around it like i would make schedule change at work or something just yeah. to, to make it to a race weekend but it's a very expensive sport um that would drive your brother mad huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know the biggest battle that i had to deal with is not other racers it was with my family like I'm they're sure. always like against it I can't blame them. They've seen me in the hospital so many times. The, um, a lot of times, like, because my parents are overseas, I uh, I had to hide from them a broken ankle and a broken uh, wrist, a broken wrist. You had to avoid them. Yeah, so, like, but the mother always knows, so. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's it's every injury you have, like, it's you don't think about the injury. You think about, oh, my family is going to grind me now. So. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not coming from a family when they're you can you can call them pro motorcycles, and, right? Or they're supported bikes. Yeah, because um, they always like try to get me to stop. My, my brothers, you know, kind of not getting involved, but they're not yeah, trying yeah, to. Yeah, help yeah, yeah. My 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 parents, especially my mom, he's looking out for you and trying to yeah. balance out. Yeah, and he don't want to be involved because if he helps me and something happens, my mom will kill him. Of course. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, it's it's also I'm not expecting uh, anything from anybody. But, I but they know you race. Oh, definitely. They came one time to watch me race, and that was the last time they actually came. They're like, nope. That was too much too much um, so how, how did how, how did you get how did you start you're you're 24 you said 24 years old when um, you started what, 24 what? years old is when i uh threw your leg over the bike yeah threw a leg actually i i got a bike when i was 21 or 22 but i had an accident same day so the bike was you destroyed. had an accident the same day that yeah, you rode a bike first day Fuck. actually yeah <laughs> when i left the shop with the motorcycle i the first corner i've seen I crashed. Yeah. I picked it up. Oh, so you're on a track? No. No, that just riding the around street. the block. Yeah. And then I picked it up. I went home, cleaned up. In the evening, I felt like, okay, let's go for another ride. Now, real quick, I, I want to get into your accident because, you know, that's that's why we listen to the podcast. That's what we want to know, get some experience. Why did you crash? What happened? Was it preventable or just? That was a rookie mistake. A rookie mistake, yeah, right? Like, uh, I was, I, I didn't even know how to turn a bike. I yeah. just watched on tv and i thought okay i can lean the bike where'd you get the bike from uh that, that was in israel that was in israel yeah. yeah but whose bike you bought the bike or I you bought a used bike ah okay yeah, so I you bought a used, bike. bought a used bike you paid for it you take it down the street and what happens and first corner i'm seeing i'm trying to lean the bike over as so, keep in mind it's street you yeah. know i went over the um the the, the how do you call it? The thing that you the cross the street? The sidewalk? The crosswalk? The crosswalk. You know, yeah. it's it's white paint. Mm -hmm. So I went over it and I lost the front and <laughs> I crashed. I picked up the... But nothing happened. Yeah. But later in that evening, uh, I crashed at like 70 miles an hour. Later that same day, twice yeah. in one day. And the bike was kaput. I was lucky enough to just get like road rashes. I had nothing on me for 
protective gear. I just had a helmet, uh, like a t-shirt, jeans, and no yeah, a typical a typical Israeli, yeah. careless looking. You know, just keep in mind that was like <laughs> 20 years ago. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so you're was, just looking like a badass. Exactly. So I was lucky just to get road rashes. And, uh, um, but that was the first experience, and then it took good uh, couple of years actually when i came here to united states uh for a visit i actually came here for a surfing trip and then i um kind of um, you know um stayed here a little bit and uh, worked a little bit and bought myself a cbr 600 which um i was riding it and i i was actually smarter this time i had protective gear uh and then uh a friend of mine who came to visit me while i was at work he took my bike and crashed it jeez yeah he didn't have money to pay me back and jeez yeah bad luck so i went back to israel after that and um there was a gap and i started uh, actually uh you know I, i bought a bike about a year later or something and then um i started racing two or three years after in Greece. I, uh, a friend of mine told me, let's go to Greece. There is a racetrack because there is no racetracks in Israel. Only now they, they opened a couple of, a couple of them, like maybe uh, a year or two ago. Very recent. Yeah. And, um, so I used to go to Greece and I used to, uh, travel back and forth, back and forth. And Greece is very, um, very popular and famous for racetracks. Uh, not really. I mean, they have their own national championship, um, but they also had all the all the other s- countries around them, like Bulgaria and Romania and stuff like that, which had um, it's you know it's Eastern European countries. They don't have racetracks. Yeah, good ones, I should say. They use airports for uh, racetracks at that time. How, and how far is the, how far was the flight from Israel to Greece? Uh, it's only like it was two hours to Athens, and then from Athens to Saloniki, it's another uh, couple of hours of flight, and then from there it's an hour and a half drive to the track. So five it, five hours tops. Yeah, it was a travel of like about half a day, right? Yeah. Um, and then um, I went there to try a friend's bike, and I bought it from him right on the spot. I don't. That's it. I want it. Uh, and that was my, that's where the love affair started. Like, that's where I started. And uh, I started to do like the North, um, North, North, North Greece championship. It's like call it a club race in, in, in Greece. Uh, and when the national championship from Greece was coming into that specific track, I used to race with them too. But um, I got, I acquired some friends over there. It was fun and all that. And then, um, um i tried <laughs> it's stupid i was a novice rider and i went and tried to qualify for uh a race in the world super sport championship that was in italy in imola no it was it monza in in monza and obviously i didn't qualify because i was not fast enough um and then i tried again in germany and over there i was closer i still didn't make it uh, but I, uh, I kind of like, uh, thought, okay, I got to build more skills and I gotta, I gotta get better. 
And you got to push the gas a little bit more. Oh yeah, it's scary, the, huh? It, it's it's at that time it was scary. Now I know it's a, a, it's a function you have to do. It's 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 not driven by fear anymore. There's you get to a point where you know it, it's going to work or it's not going to work. Um, you know you want to push it to the edge if you feel comfortable on that bike that day. Like you'll do it. Some riders are, you know, that's that's their job. They have to always be there. You know, they have to be at the last few percent uh, in order to to be competitive. I I don't have to do it. I, I I'm fast enough to qualify to any race I want, but I don't have to win it. I do it for fun. You know, 20 years <laughs> of riding motorcycles. And you uh, got sponsorships and everything. I do have sponsors. It's not um, uh, money sponsors. I don't get paid by any sponsor because. Uh, you know, I'm not consistently doing the the national uh, circuit. I'm I'm just doing club racing, and when they show up into a, um, if Moto America comes to a local uh, racetracks, I will uh, I will go and race it. But there's some restrictions that don't allow me to to feel the most comfortable there. Uh, for example, it's uh, they have what they call a spec tire. It'll be on a Dunlop which is really good, but um, I'm a Pirelli guy. Yeah. I get sponsored by Pirelli, and there's different characters to those tires, like huge difference between them. It's not about how sticky it is. It's about the carcass stiffness and stuff like that that make the, the suspension on the bike completely different. Um, yeah, so, you know, you want to bring your sponsors to the race, but you can't because it's contradicting with uh, what the rules are. Um, you know, which is limiting because they're they would probably had a lot more racers on the grid in the national championships if they opened up the spec tire situation and change it to call it like a control tire, so you can have different brands, but only certain amount of uh, of tires, and that's what they try to do. They try to even you know do like a even feel that everybody get the same thing, right? Right. So that's why they did a spec tire, but um, in the same time, they kind of limit themselves on how many riders can afford that. There's a lot of good local guys that, let's say, is sponsored by Pirelli or by Michelin or by uh, uh, Bridgestone, and they can go race in the national championship if they would be allowed to bring the tires with them. Right. right, because tires, it's a big deal. Like, and that's what you train with. That's what you practice with. That's what you use. Exactly. To. You don't have to change anything. You already know what the bike is doing and everything. So, and it's a big deal. It's it's. I wouldn't. I don't want to compare it to a car because every sport has its own challenges. But um, on a motorcycle, a tire, it's it's a big deal. And uh, and if you can bring your own tires and you get sponsored you don't have to buy the tires so that that alone save you like 2500 bucks that weekend yeah and and you can go through that much that quick oh yeah you got to get new tires every session and sometimes you want to throw a, a fresh rear halfway through the session just to get that extra bit to get a good lap time cuz you know it's qualifying you want to stay as close to the front as you can so the faster you go the the closer to the front you're going to be um, so if somebody is comfortable on the Michelin and they make him ride Dunlop, if somebody is comfortable on the Bridgestone, they make him ride Dunlop. First, two things happens. First of all, he has to buy the tire when he could have got it for 
from his sponsor, his yeah. local sponsor. And the other thing is now he has to find a good setup for the bike in a very short time. They give you like 30 minutes uh, three times before the race. 30 30 minutes and like you have like three you have two practice sessions and one qualifying and at that time you have to figure out the bike you have to figure out the racetrack you have to do a lot of things and some of the changes require some time for example if i want to change the ride height on my bike let's say i want to bring the rear up about three millimeter that's a 15 minute job yeah you know like if a session is 30 minutes what do you do like, yeah, are you going to make that change or are you going to say uh, I don't know should I maybe I should do it for the next session you know and and you you lose time there's a lot of teams out there that they have the manpower to do it but most privateers like me I just gotta I just gotta roll with that you just it, gotta get they deal your cards and you gotta do whatever you can exactly if you if you gambled right and you're you're doing and it worked for you great you're gonna have a good weekend but if you know, you have an issue with the bike. You know, the rear is too low, so there's not enough load on the front. The bike don't want to turn. Anything. And there's a lot of things. And you're talking about a few millimeters. It's not like something huge. You can make a mistake very easy, and the bike will feel horrible. Um, you know, so there, there's not enough time. And the, all the setup notes that you need to have is prior to that weekend. You cannot show up to the weekend trying things. You have to do sorted bike out before the weekend starts. And there's a lot of riders, just like I said, like me. We ride different things that they don't allow us, you know. Um, you know, so... The, the why, why, why do you think it's so strict? They're just trying... They, they create their own rules and they could do whatever they want or they're trying to make it fair so everybody stays in line with the same regulations? So I think a couple of things. Um one, a lot of riders complained about like how the big teams get all this endless amount of tires. They had special compounds. For example, for one track, they had the left side of the tire softer than the right side of the tire. That's such a big deal. Yeah, because, you know, you're not spending that much time on the right side and blah, 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 you know, all those things. And so... And then they had unlimited amount of tires that they could use. So the, the, the rider was always on... 100% fresh tire and everybody knows that the first few laps you get out of the tire it's different than if you get it after 10 or 15 laps right you don't get the same grip level um but um you know so you, when you build up the confidence of the rider like that that is always on 100% fresh tires you the rider will go faster naturally because you always feel that extra that grip and that support exactly so people complained mm. And then uh, they thought about control tires or limiting tires, but then they kind of copied what uh, happened in MotoGP and World Superbike. They did a spec tire. Uh, I know that some places in the world, they have control tires. Like I said, they limit you to two different compounds, like uh, soft and, and super soft or soft and medium, depend on the track. But the manufacturer will choose what to bring to that track and it's available for the riders, but they also limit the amount of tires you can buy for that weekend. For example, they I think they allow us like um, eight tires. You can play with that front and rear, whatever you want to do. But that's all you get. But that's all you get. So that kind of even out the field because there's a lot of, uh, you know, teams that can afford to buy 
huge amount of tires. Now, nobody is allowed to be sponsored with free tires. So for example, like if Dunlop want to sponsor the big teams, they can't. They can't give them free tires. They have to purchase it. And they have to stay in that regulation of eight, yeah, every, and they have to purchase it. Exactly. Everybody get the same pricing. They but, can't favor anybody. No. But who keeps track of that? Uh, the organization. The organization. Yeah, but there is always a backdoor. You can of always, like, even me, like, um, I, I, I got sponsored with Dunlop before, and I brought some tires with me to the event, right? Because as long as the compound is matching what they are, they offer there, I could have, I could have done it, right? But in the same time, you know, it's, it's not fair for everybody, and that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, it's, it's, I think that the. It's it's t- typical sports thing where somebody's always being favored, yeah. or there's there's always like a there's like, politics in there, and of course, and, and the other thing is, I think they will have more riders, and and the industry will grow if they allow more sponsors to come in. Right. For example, like Spec Fuel, I understand Spec Fuel because that the, that is a big factor out there. There is uh, mainly uh, Sonoco. There is VP. Uh, there is few manufacturers for uh, fuel, race fuel that you can bring in there, but uh, they kind of uh, they close the door. It's only one man, only one manufacturer right. for tire for fuel, because those are the two key components. A limitation on engine build. Okay, great. Everybody get to build the engine the same way. You know, you don't. So everybody has to do. Everybody has to fight guidelines to build their engine. Exactly. What about the uh, What about the the body of the bike? Can you do whatever you want? You're not allowed to change the frame. Uh, wheels has to be. Uh, can you do all carbon fiber if you want? Uh, yeah, you can do whatever you want, but it what? has to look exactly like this the stock bike, and there is weight limit. Like uh, you can't have too much of a diet to the bike. It has to be like a certain weight. If it's under that weight, you get penalized. Oh, so there's a minimum and max, I imagine. There's no max. There is only minimum. There's only minimum. So you yeah. can't be under a certain weight. Yeah. Wow, that's so strange. It is. That, that makes sense, I guess. And sometimes they build a bike uh, lighter than what it's supposed to be, but they put a little bit more fuel. So when they finish the race, it's going to be there. Now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some rider... Uh, it, not long ago, a rider got DQ'd over a couple of pounds, I think, because he didn't calculate the gas, the, the wet the, weight, the fuel, the trip, yeah. yeah. And he, he just got DQ'd out of the podium. He was third, I think, a really good rider. I don't think it would make a difference, but rules are rules, right? Yeah, but I think it makes it like look, look at the professional swimmers. They, they shave the hair off their skin <laughs> yeah. because they have lost races you know of of a millisecond or yeah, half a exactly. second you know so it, I, i'm sure it has an effect everything makes a difference yeah absolutely yeah. even the even the the size of the rider you know how much they weigh and how much gear they're carrying you know yep. so that that's the thing though that the rider who got the disqualified is a lot bigger than the other two who uh was in front of him and behind him there was like two guys in front of him that are like ab- at least about six or seven inches shorter than him yeah. And the guy behind him, even even more. So this is like the the, the same concept as the horse jockeys that they're exactly. they're small, they're tiny, they're yep. like ninety five pounds, you know, four eleven, four ten. You know the 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 impression that people get on a motorcycle rider that he needs to be like a badass guy, you know, buffed up and muscle. Yeah, that's complete opposite. Most of the fast riders are skinny little dudes, you know, like li- literally skinny little dudes. Yeah. So, um, like my friend Colin. 
<laughs> you don't know him, but <laughs> it's an inside joke. Yeah. Yeah. So no, no, exactly. Like that, that that's because weight, size, uh, the motorcycle performance. Yeah. What, what fuel are you guys running? Uh, it depends. Uh, you know, club racing, I just use 91. I'm riding the, the 1000 CC bike now. So, um, how do you, how do you like that from the 600 big difference? You like it? Don't like it? Feel safer, not safer pros and cons, you know, like, um, the, the 1000 CC bike has a lot more, uh, driving force. And so it's, um, so more, more torque, more pressure on the suspension on both ends, like on the rear tire, it's hard to keep it from sliding. Um, you know, you need to have good support and on the other end you don't want it to be too stiff and every bump you hit it's like boom bounce you off the bike but um and, and same goes for stopping the bike you you come at a higher speed than the 600 so you have to slow down sooner you know and and it's hard to turn it it's heavier it has more inertia so it's really hard to flick it from side to side uh so technically you would go like you think like okay at, at this track, I was at 150 miles an hour, 145 miles an hour on the 600. I'm close to 180 on the 1,000. And you're like, holy snap. So you should be going faster overall in a lap, right? Yeah. No, my lap times are about the same between the two bikes. Wow. Yeah. What's the logic behind that? The logic is, like I said, you on the 1,000cc, you accelerate later and you, you slow down. Because it's delayed? Be, no, because like if you try to accelerate uh, as soon as a 600, the rear will snap on you. Mm. Like when you're fully leaned, it's really hard to find grip on the 1000 because it has so much torque and so much power that you kind of got to wait a little bit and find ways to finish the corner earlier and pick up the bike and get on the gas. Um, and then you have to slow down sooner because you come like about 30 40 miles an hour faster and you're heavier straight away and you're heavier yeah you're what at least 80 pounds 80 pounds 100 it's pounds not it's it's uh the weight of the weight of the bike is not that much but the inertia power the g-forces is a lot greater on the thousand so when you put a lot more power on the front suspension to to slow it down it's really hard to find a good balance on a, a 1000 bike because you know, there's a lot of pressure on the rear when you, you get a, when you accelerate, and there's a lot of pressure on the front when you brake from higher speed. And so you see, so, so I got a question for you: how how many parts of your motorcycle right now are stock? Uh, in my bike, yeah, most <laughs> most of it. Most of it's stock. Yeah. Oh, really? And yeah. You're, you're, you, you, so you could buy a stock bike and then it'd be fine. Hey, the the new bikes today, uh, it's. They're so good. It's like you, some bikes like has too much power. You have to dumb them down a little bit. Like wow. the, the new BMW has so much power that I know fast guys that their tuner actually dumb it down. So like it'll what, be like that, the S1000? Yeah. Yeah. And even yeah, that thing's fucking a beast. Yeah. And even my Kawasaki, uh, when I purchased it, I have a 2020. And I thought, okay, this is a faster bike than my 2018. I, have, I had a ZX-10 in 2016, 2018, and 20. It's when I got new bikes. Um, but the 20 is different. They changed the, the head of the motor a little bit. So it gets you 500 RPM extra. Uh, 500 RPM extra. That's Yes, yeah, so for the rev limiter. And you get more power. 
they they call it like finger follower valves. I don't know. So, I'm not so, a mechanic. So when when does it what at, at what at what what RPM does it redline? I don't know. I just go until I hear the until you just hear the sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, because I, I think I I think them. it's like four. 14 something yeah 14 or 15 yeah because yeah, like I'm, the 600 I, I got, goes it revs higher yeah mine's is like at the harley's like at eight thousand, i believe yeah. you know it's redlining and the bmw yeah. i think redlines at same eight nine yeah but um to answer your question is uh, it's harder to set up a, a, a thousand cc bike than a 600 600 if it's set up good or not if it's close enough, you'll be able to ride it really fast. On the thousand, if it's not set up right, like it's really hard to to ride that bike. So why why did you make the move from the six hundred to the thousand? You just wanted to try it out, and you no. it's something you kind of regret, or so you know, as a, as a privateer, uh, like I said, I don't have sponsors that pay me, but Kawasaki has what they call a contingency program. Uh, they give you like a debit card, and as part of being in Team Green. Um, and then in the local, uh, races, they offer a purse money. So, uh, they offers like 500 for first place, 250 for second and 125 for third. It was more before, but this year it, it kind of came down okay, a dropped. little bit. Yeah. Dropped a little bit, but they offered that in three different races over the weekend. So, and so potentially I could, I can make money, you know, and, um, and that's why I went to the thousand because on the six hundred they only offered that in one race when it's five hundred bucks. So you went for the better deal. So I went for something that uh, can potentially put a little bit of money in my pocket and allow me to race more freely with things I need to buy and stuff like that. Because I'm and has I been doing that? It's actually been really good, but it, uh, it, you're relearning everything all over, huh? Yeah, the thing is that I don't think I'm that. Okay, I'm I'm not a great rider. I'm I'm a good rider. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the six hundred, I say I would place better than on a thousand cc bike. Like uh, I'm I'm a faster guy on the six hundred than a thousand. I, I just want to clarify, and I'm sure I know the answer, but the six hundred category doesn't race with a thousand. There there are two different divisions. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Two which obviously divisions. that's the case, but I just want to make sure. Yeah. You know, for the listeners. Yeah. For um, Mark and Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, technically, um, the thousand it's it, it's funny because there's riders that go on a thousand and it suits them better, and there's riders that go on the six hundred and it's like me, I'm I'm a better six hundred rider than a thousand. But there are some riders that you put them on a laundry machine, they'll still go. Fast, yeah, they'll fucking you know? tear it up. Yep. You put them on a scooter. Exactly. So I'm 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 just uh, you know uh, people tell me it's in my head, but. And that's how I feel. Like I don't feel like I'm 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 riding that thousand really good. It's not like I'm not afraid of it. I'm not. I just don't use it right. Like yeah. um, um, well, it's like anything. You either it's 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 a different beast. It's a different performing. It's yep. it's practice, practice, practice. How long have you had the thousand now? Uh, I would say from 2016. So I would say that's the fourth year. Fourth year. Yeah, and, and still, it's it's. Man, I'm telling you, this is why I'm so frustrated. Yeah, like, but the problem is, you can't teach uh, an old dog new tricks, right? Uh, no, I don't know. It's just that, uh, my, yeah, my riding style. It's uh, see, to go fast on a bike, you have to be really smooth. 
You yeah. have to be really smooth with the throttle. You have to be really smooth with how you brake. And you can't slam on the brakes. And that's my problem. I'm not smooth. I'm too aggressive on the brakes, too aggressive on acceleration. You're too mechanical. Yeah, I'm on-off kind of guy. So, yeah. like, uh, and, and it's not good. So, um, and I keep getting, uh, call it, uh, yelled at by the guy who tried to help me. Tell me, dude, you're too aggressive on the brakes. Dude, you're doing this. Uh, I, I'm trying to. You know, it, it's hard. It's hard to break. It's hard to break habits. Yeah, because you, you see, I'm, I'm more of a competitive guy than actually a, 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 a rider. There's riders, you put them by themselves on the track and it'll go fast. I'm driven by seeing someone else. And yeah. if I see somebody in front of me, I'm trying to break later than him. And and that's what messed up everything because it's really yeah, hard. It, it, it's like saying there's there's comp competitor. You know, like there's a competitor mentality. Like I have a, you know, friend of mine, Jaime. He's we're always competing. It's always yeah. competition. But all of a sudden, the skill goes out the window. You know, because all you're you're just kind of like in that fight mode, exactly. and you're just like ah, and you're not doing things like you said, suave or smooth. And now you're just being more on off on off. Yeah, exactly. And 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 that's that's where it is. It's forgivable on a six hundred. The one thousand, it's accelerated, and it's like yeah, it's, because all of a sudden you accelerate full throttle, and now you're going into a turn way too fast, and now yeah. you're taking the turn wrong. Now you have to slow down more. I mean, it, it throws everything off. That I, makes perfect sense. Yeah, I saw um, a little uh, thing about uh, there's two really fast guys, uh, uh, Tony Elias and and Josh Heron. They were both on Yoshimura Suzuki uh, uh, last year or something. Last year or year before, anyways, um, and then you can see that um, Josh Heron is super aggressive. You can see him like he's like the bike is all over the place. This guy's super talented, really fast guy, and um, you know. But you see him like always, the rear always sliding, the front is moving, and like his elbow down and all that. And you see Tony, which is a short guy. It's super smooth, right? And he said, Josh Heron said he checked the data. He kind of overlapped it on Tony's uh, data. And he says that uh, Tony was using half the throttle coming out of a corner, and he was still moving forward faster than Josh because mm. Josh was spinning the rear right. while Tony was grabbing. It was actually gripping better when you don't have full throttle on, and he was moving forward. While Josh he was, advancing. was, yeah, he was actually spinning and staying. I wouldn't say in the same, staying in the same spot, but he was moving forward slower because the bike was actually the rear was actually spinning instead of moving right. forward. So aggressive right. is not fast. It it looks cool, but it's it's not fast. And and you can see most of the fast guys everywhere are are super smooth. The only guy that is aggressive and fast is uh, Mark Marquez. This is the only guy who can make it work. I don't know how. Yeah. But you can see that guy is like. Is, is, Some next level. Oh, this is a different animal. It's like when Rossi came in and everybody was like, holy snap, right? I think it's the new guy that actually broke the, the mold of like you know of, of riding he brought in a new style he brought in like he's like the michael jordan of uh of motorcycle uh well they say that rossi is because he is he has like multiple championships and stuff like that and you know he has a huge fan base but um you know um i think marcus is a better rider 
but uh, some and people, this is on the one thousand. Some people division. will stab me for saying that. <laughs> yeah, watch out. <laughs> yeah, yeah this is a MotoGP. It's uh, it's it's like comparable comparable to uh, uh, Formula One. It's it's uh, you don't allow to have stock parts on it. It yeah. has to be like prototype everything. And uh, Superbike is closer to what we ride. They have a lot more modifications, but. If you look at Johnny Rea, that has been a world champion four times in a row on a ZX10, but the guy is super, super smooth. Like you see him ride, and it's like it looks effortless. And you're thinking, like, man, how, like, you know, it looks easy. Why everybody else is struggling? Look at this guy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, most of the fast guys are super smooth um, in um, their maneuvering, in how they handle, how the they they they're um working the movement of the bike with the throttle with the brakes yeah I, I, I mean i follow on, on instagram and, and some of those videos are beautiful it's beautiful especially yeah. when you know the the fact that you hear it with no sound and you're just looking at this movement yeah you could put any music you want it looks like they're dancing yeah pretty it's, much like painting on a road yeah but um yeah, yeah painting on a road i like that it's um you know it's um my friend, a really good friend of mine, is the crew chief for uh, who was two-time uh, Moto America champion in Stock 1000 and now is the crew chief for a, a guy on the 600 that is leading the championship. He actually won four races in a row. That We only had wow. four races this year. So um, You raced this weekend, right? Me? Yeah. Uh, last, uh, I just did like a practice race. They have races on Saturday and Sunday, but... I just did Saturday, but I'm 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 having a race next weekend and the following weekend, so I have two races coming up. But uh, where are those at? Uh, Button Willow. Nice. It's uh, it's gonna be hot. It's gonna yeah, be I over imagine. 100 degrees. If how how is that? That's not fun. It's uh, you you get and suited up. Jeez. Oh man, like the last race weekend we had there, uh, because it was so hot, a lot of people crashed and. Uh, um you why, why why was that you, they were dehydrated or no it's because once it's get over a certain temperature the tires start to get uh greasy it, it kind of fools you it feels grippy and then it disappears on you and some people like it's like push, mushy pu pushed over the envelope and like uh you know and they crashed so you know you stood up and, and if it's 105 degrees outside you're probably 130 in the suit i'm sure do you guys have camel packs uh it's short races you don't need one you just keep hydrated the whole day and you just suck it up for eight laps or so six eight laps uh but um there was so many red flags red flag is when somebody's crashing so um they yeah, pulled us that. out then you got to go back in and uh, man just that kind of drained you out of your energy uh you know think about it like um you're doing you're doing crossfit yeah, so like, oh, person, obviously. Yeah. So, you obviously. know, yeah, but <laughs> after seeing all those, uh, all machines, the equipment, here, all the equipment. Yeah, I got but, the battle ropes, the bikes, and yeah. Yeah. So, think about a CrossFit session. Like in one session, you do the best you can until yeah. you gassed out, right? So that's how it feels to ride a bike. If you want to win a race, like you got to really put everything you have into about because it's club racing. Say about ten minutes of non-stop 
So you have 10 minutes that you're like doing one session of 10 minutes in CrossFit. That's right. that's pretty much how it feels. Right. Um, so it's like it's like uh, you have the weekend warriors that, you know, ride their bike, you know, through Mohal and they'll spend like six, seven hours riding. Yeah. But and this is like, you know, put everything in 10 minutes. Exactly. I mean, work. you don't have to, to put everything you got, but you're probably not going to win. You're not going to win. But if you want to win, you're going to yeah. put everything you got. So you put everything you got and the guy next to you put everything he got. And now you got to race. And now you got to race. And, and then a new guy came and he has a good weekend. And you're like, what the hell? Where'd this guy came from? Yeah. You know, and, 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 and that's what, and, and that's what I like. I don't really like, I'm, I'm not going to say I don't like riding motorcycles. I enjoy it, but this is not why I'm doing that. I'm, I'm doing it because it's the race. It's greeting up and like so seeing it's, all it's, those it's people a, It's not you. about the bike. It's the, it's the experience. It's exact. It's the race. Yeah, it's basically what. When That's you, interesting. Yeah, when you so you you don't ride much uh, outside uh, off the track. Oh, I don't ride at all. You don't ride at all. I don't even have a license to ride on the streets. That, that's so crazy. Yeah, I um, I do dirt bikes. You don't need a license to ride on the track. It's race license. Oh, it's a separate license. Yeah. So you get your, you can get your race license without your motorcycle license. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> that's well, so crazy. It's, it's it's controlled environment. You don't need to know. Uh, you know, like uh, the, the street rules, there is no uh, no lights, nothing. There is a flag. The flag goes down. Everybody That's goes it. in the same direction. Whoever finish up, uh, uh, depend on the race, between six and ten laps. Okay. Um, okay, hypothetically. Hypothetically, let's say I wanted to start racing. What would I need? What are the qualifications? What, what's the, what are the steps? Let's, let's say me or an 18-year-old right now, wants to get in this, how how would you advise, you know, the steps? What do you do first, uh, second, for, third? First of all, I would, obviously, you need to have a bike. But uh, once you have the bike, it's doing... I mean, do you have to, should you choose what kind of racing you're doing first and then get a bike for that industry or... Uh, if, if you didn't have a bike before, I would recommend to start with something like a 400cc. Easy bike to ride. Um, it has enough speed to excite you if you're a new guy, um, but it's easy to control, you know, and uh, it's light, doesn't have any like torque or anything like that. It's more about corner speed and stuff like that. So it it's teach, easy to maneuver. Yeah, teach you a lot, cheap. Um, you do track days. You do a bunch of track days until you really feel comfortable on the bike. When I say comfortable, I mean you're not afraid of it. You're not afraid to break late and get out of shape and be able to still fix it, you know? And, and then that's when I say... So you would say the next thing would be gear. Well, you have safety. to. You, yeah, got, okay. you can't really yeah. get on the track. No, and that's why I'm yeah. saying. Let's just go raw. So you got to you get, get an affordable bike, 400, 450. After that, get some really good fucking gear. Don't go cheap on your gear because you're going to regret it later. Oh, yeah, it's painful. Do track dates. Uh, and then the track dates, what do you do? Just... Google online and look for places. There's a bunch of bunch of uh, uh, clubs that run the, the track days. Um, you know, you can go and uh, you pay like depend on the track. Like Fontana will be expensive. It's like two hundred and eighty bucks a day. You get yeah. eight sessions of twenty minutes. Um, but you can go to places like Willow Springs. It's about one hundred and seventy, hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, eight sessions. All, all most of, most of the clubs are doing like. Uh, uh, eight sessions of 20 minutes because uh, the hour is divided to three levels. You have like uh, street guy, 
uh, medium and fast guys. So everybody get 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, so every, so you get three groups each three it's eight hours so everybody get eight sessions but there's also some clubs that like uh they do like open day no sessions open day no sessions got yeah. it so it's open the whole day you go and ride as much as you want and, and i promise you you're probably gonna ride less than riding the eight hours at 20 minutes a session because when you have like a sectioned uh session you like you don't want to miss it you want to maximize so, so you you rest for 40 minutes and you go up again even if you don't feel like it once it's open the whole day i've seen people riding for like 20 minutes and they sit down for like two hours or something right <laughs> you know so it's right it's, it's good for guys like me that i can come with my tuner and just make changes and go back out anytime i want right yeah but uh for um for a new guy, my recommendation is, like you said, get a bike, get good gear. Uh, if you have a buddy that'll come with you, don't ever show up alone because, uh, God God forbid, something happens. You need somebody to help you. Knows who um, to call. It's there yeah. to support. If you don't have a friend to come with you, acquire friends on the track. You know, just, uh, you know, it's funny because we don't know each other on the track and we still, like, help each other all the time. Technology, but, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of like a big family. But, uh, uh, you know, that will be a good start. Once you're comfortable on a racetrack, I would say go and do, like, a, a new racer school. A lot of places offer it, and uh, you will get, uh, if you pass the test, you get, like, a, a, a no provisional novice license. And uh, once you get that license, uh, you can go and race in the club, and you can go to other clubs and show them that you have that. They'll And how, do, how do the clubs work? You got to have a membership and sign yeah, up? Yeah, you have to buy a membership. Um, it's, like, a, called membership called a race license. Uh, so you get that, and uh, and then you follow the schedule. Every club has their own schedule. There's uh, um, in California, you got Wira, which is uh, a big club. It's a nationwide club, but uh, it call, they call it Wira West. That's the the club that I'm mostly race with. Uh, there is AFM. American Federation of Motorcycles. They're mostly up north. They're uh, in Thunder Hill, and they're in uh, Sonoma and Button Willow, uh, but they don't go any souther than that. Uh, but the club I'm racing with, where it's like in Vegas, in Fontana, Willow Springs, Button Willow, they, they have more diversity of tracks. This is why I like it. Yeah. Uh, and then you have CVMA, uh, Chakwala Valley Motorcycle Association. Uh, they uh, they're on one track. It goes both directions, uh, which um, I'm not fan of that because you can put a monkey on a bike on the same track all the time. Eventually, you'll get a decent lap time. You know, yeah. I like more uh, to to go to different tracks all the time. I'm I'm always trying to get new tracks. We used to go to Utah, uh, different places. Um, uh, but yeah, those are the three most uh dominant clubs in in california i think they're actually the only clubs but all of them are very good all of them have really competitive grid there's always in any club you're always going to find at least three to five guys that are really fast that can run in the national level and afm has really fast riders uh you know there's they have a bunch of uh 
riders that came out of there and they won the championship overall in the in moto america but uh we is good club racing and uh so also cvma which they also have really fast guys every club has their own fast guys but uh always yeah to to get up there you know you got to start somewhere yeah and i recommend uh if you're in your 20s or something and you want to start start with a small bike big bike will throw you off and break you physically and financially yeah it's interesting because I, I i have these conversations about you know what what your first bike should be and um you know obviously harley davidson uh versus street bikes is completely different because you know on harley everybody goes with an 883 or 1200 for their first bike but I, I strongly recommend people not to buy that bike because within three months, it, it's just so underpowered and maneuvering and handling. And because it's lighter, you get tossed more on the freeway when cars pass you. Yeah. It's just not worth it. You, you end up losing more money buying an 883 or 1200 Sportster and then buying your Dyna or your Bagger. So I usually tell people, you know, take your safety course and get, get a bike you want because the other mentality is, is if you get a cheaper bike, you're kind of thinking, well, I don't give a fuck. You know, if something happens, I'll just throw the bike down. And you're, you're more willing to do that versus if it's your bike that you want, you know, you're going to baby it more. Yeah. But then I, I put a video out on YouTube, you know, talking about this. And then, you know, all the racing guys, you know, reached out to me. And they're like, are you fucking crazy? You can't tell a beginner to go on a higher CC <laughs> on the street bike because, you know, a thousand or 600 compared to a 450 is insane. That's where people get, you know, kill themselves. Yeah. So it, it's just always interesting, you know, like you really got to investigate what is best for you. And, yeah. And that, and that, and then and the other thing is there's a lot of safety courses and classes that I think make sense. And that kind of will guide you into what you should get. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I can't really, uh, give advice on what bike to get for the street because I don't ride the streets anymore. I haven't been on street bike for, I don't know how many years, but uh, I went one time, a bunch of friends that ride canyons told me, hey, uh, why don't you come with us, blah, blah, blah. Not really good friends, but people I knew. Acquaintances. Yeah, and um, I, I, I don't ride the streets. I don't even have a license. And, but I had a 600 at home that was uh, a street bike that I was selling, right? Right, it was street uh, legal. Yeah, it was, you know, and uh, so, okay. I'll go with you on Sunday, but I'm just wearing a jacket and sneakers. I'm 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 not gonna come to get crazy. I show up, all of those motherfuckers are on full racing suits and stuff like that. Oh, and I'm shit. like, oh shit! What did I get into? Yeah, now they're gonna go and try to impress me and all that. And nah, I'm not. I'm not having it. I'm gonna be. I'm, I told them I'm gonna be behind you guys. I don't want to get into trouble. You know, I don't even have a license, and and uh, I started riding with them, and like, I'm at like about 30, 40 percent of my ability, and I I'm I'm in front of all of them, and they can't catch up. That's funny that I was gonna ask. It's funny that you want to stay in the back, yeah, and you're you're in the front somehow. But you know what? I, I, I took a, a it took I took a second to look around me, and I'm like. Dude, if I fall now at this like seventy mile an hour corner right here, what were you I, riding, Angeles Crest? No, it was like going somewhere from Malibu 
canyon or something. I don't know. Got it. One of the canyons in Malibu. And I didn't even know which direction I'm going. I was just going with the road. And like, like if I'm, if I'm crashing here at 70 miles an hour, I'm coming out in two pieces under that guardrail. Right. It doesn't take much to finish your life over there. On the track, I've actually crashed at 140 mile an hour. And you slide. Uh, well, I broke my shoulder and stuff like that, but that's considered to be an easy out, you know? Like, I know people at 30 mile an hour in the canyon, they crashed and, like, they ended their life. Yeah. Their head hit, the, you know, the post on the guardrail and they broke their neck. Yeah, especially the, the equipment that people ride on the weekends, you know? Most people just go yeah. with vans and, you know, they go with shorts. I got a buddy of mine, he, uh, Hawaiian shirt. He's never done What's weird is he's never done it to this extreme, but he was wearing a Hawaiian shirt. He was wearing shorts, a three-quarter helmet, completely yeah. open, and um, and then vans. And and he ate it, you know. I mean, he's, he's fine. He got some road rash, but he, it was the, you know, he, he crashed and ate it. And I was like, what, what were you wearing? You know, and I always try to tell people, fuck, at least put your boots on. I mean, there's cool boots. Put on some nice boots, you know, wear some pants, um, I get it. I've, I've, I've done shorts, you know, once or twice, literally once or twice, but you know, and it feels refreshing, but when, as soon as I get I, off, I'm uh, like, what am I doing? I used to be that idiot that I'm lecturing to people too, but, um, I, I, I paid the price a few times and like, you know, once I got on the track, I think a track is like educating you. Like, Absolutely on everything and and it goes with you yes it's nice to ride with a a wife beater and shorts and vans like you said and just do wheelies on the street it, it's fun it's fun it, it's a good time but the, the pay is going to be exactly harsh i i did i did a track once i was working for uh monterey county harley davidson and uh you, you remember buell right yeah so eric buell uh had all the new bikes the 1125 was just released and they rented the track on Laguna Seca. And they were like, you know, for the Harley employees, we're going to test ride it. So I was able to go on the track. And it was a fun experience. You know, we went following the guy first, you know, make sure we can learn the track. And then he kind of let us do whatever we want. And and that was enough for me to say, okay, I'm cool with Harley. I'll ride Harleys on the streets. I'll <laughs> ride Harleys every day. But I will not get a street bike, you know, unless if I'm on a track. Because it, it just doesn't make sense to me. You yeah. know, to me, and I know there, and I and I have a passion for for motorcycles. I've been riding almost twenty years, and and I I, I ride every day. You know, I ride every single day, and and I love it. And I've gone long, short, but I know I can't have a street bike unless if it's on a track. No, yeah, it's I, too I, much power. Honestly, I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot because uh, our industry depended on on sales of sport bikes, right? In order to to be able to get paid at races like contingency and stuff like that but honestly like i don't think i'll <laughs> i don't recommend people to go on the street with the sport bike because it's so easy to get to such high speed like you take without ninja, even noticing it yeah ninja 1000 like you you go first second third boom you're like at 150 miles an hour easy easy yeah so i'm like you know 
why 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 are those bikes on the street well yeah why is it on the street i mean people on harleys you know on a full bagger you can hit 110 miles an hour and you're you're going to sturgis or you're going places like that Sal, what what's what's next what's next for you uh you're just gonna continue racing continue hustling yeah yeah you know what they say you're never too old to race you're getting old when you stop racing you know so (laughs) I'm um, I'm still running. I'm uh, I'm actually thinking about a switch uh, next year back to the 600, um, because uh, there's a lot of uh, professionals who come and take advantage of that purse money, yeah. and uh, you know um, I I can't I can beat them. They have better equipment. That's their job. They're better riders, so they taking away the money that I'm supposed to take. So I figured. Um, might as well go to a 600 where I have where you're more comfortable uh, not only more comfortable uh, it's like I'll put it this way Uh, my best season on the 600 I lost only two races all my races I won and you're talking about like um, seven seven race weekends that are sometimes double header and it's four races per day per day so I did a bunch of races, you know, and I won a lot of them. And uh, it felt good. It felt good. The competition was good. Some of the kids I used to race against on the 600, today they run in the top level of uh, Moto America. Um, so, uh, you know, I want to go back there and, and uh, you know, and, and try to, um, you know, to enjoy winning again because uh, I'm winning when the professionals are not in town, right? So, yeah. Uh, on the 600 i have a chance to ride against the faster guys and still be able to be with them or beat them now i'm getting my ass kicked on this 1000 yeah there's two two professional guys that show up on a hundred thousand dollar bike and i'm on the fifteen thousand dollar bike it's not it's my a job big fucking difference yeah it's not my job they're better riders i'm not gonna well I'm not fifteen thousand dollar bike versus a hundred thousand dollar bike <laughs> i'm sure suspension acceleration yeah, i'm sure everything the clutches i'm sure it's completely different there's a lot of stuff electronics and stuff like that's that. why i was asking is you know even on the bikes that i have i mean it's probably at this point it's probably 40 percent you know i I've, I've changed all the stock parts yeah you know and now the suspension grips everything yeah so uh, you know I'm, I'm trying to go back to the 600 uh, the thing is that i i didn't even think about it until uh uh there is an outside sponsor that gives uh uh he sponsor a couple of races he he offered 500 for the winner on the 600 bike uh, and also in the 1000 but uh, my friend had the 600 that used to be my bike and i figured okay well he's not riding i'll uh, i told him i'm taking your bike i'm gonna try to ride the 600 super bike race he goes go ahead and uh, i took the bike and uh, <clears throat> uh, i haven't touched the 600 for like uh, almost four, four years. years yeah and i and i won the race and i was like oh cool and I wasn't even riding really good, so uh, it 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 gave it gave me back some good memories and stuff like that. I figured like, okay, maybe I should go back to a six hundred because I enjoyed it so much. The one thousand, it's a constant battle all the time. I'm always fighting the bike. I mean, I'm checking my own pictures, and you could see the difference in in 
my body position on the 600 versus the 1000 i can tell i'm not i'm not really riding to my best ability on that bike so you know i'm thinking about going back to the 600 and well and that, that's good that you realize that because that's oh the, yeah. that's that's the thing you know it, it took you only four years and not <laughs> you know 14 years but no, it could have been longer and you wouldn't even notice the difference. And yeah. now you have the opportunity to compare and probably this is going to be the best and biggest move. And mm-hmm. next time we have you on here, you're going to have some, you know, trophies. Oh, no, that's, you know, I, uh, on, I win races still, you know, but uh, I feel like, uh, I feel like I win races when, like I said, those two professional guys don't show up yeah and it doesn't make me feel good it makes me feel like okay yeah no i let me go back down to the 600 there is uh because on the on the 1000 bike in in my club there's not a lot of uh fast guys they will beat me if i have mistakes or something is going on with my bike uh uh, and I'm not trying to be arrogant or something. It's just that that club doesn't have a lot of fast 1,000 guys. Uh, on the 600, they have a bunch of fast guys, you know, that can go, they can go Moto America and still be competitive and, and be fast. So I feel like if I go back down there, I'll have to push myself a little bit harder. But I also enjoy the 600 because it's, uh, uh, I feel like I'm better on that bike. Um but yeah, my tuner think that uh, it tell me give me until the end of the year. I promise you, you're gonna love that bike because I just started working with this guy this year. And What's he, his name? Uh, it's his name is Quentin. Quentin. Yeah, and uh, he's uh, he's really good, um, and he 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 listened to my complaints about what the bike is not doing and stuff, and he actually make changes that helps. But uh, I'm still not hundred percent feeling it you know it's it's like i'm not like the 600 i can throw it anywhere i want and like okay not a problem the 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 1000 bike it's like it's a different animal you're you're gonna have to make the move you're gonna have to make the move i mean we'll figure out by the end of the year and you'll you'll be the decision maker on that obviously but it seems like mentally just having this conversation with you it, it seems like you've already made up your mind. I did, yeah. And and now it's like you're 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 trying. You're still willing because you committed. But maybe it's 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 the it's not maybe it is definitely the right thing because yeah. if your mind is not the same as your writing, it, it's different. And and from the beginning, I I noticed that you keep defaulting. You know, I think I'm gonna go back, or I should go back, or I will go back. Yeah. I think you got to make the move. Yeah, my my teammate kind of want me to go to. A, he rides a six hundred. I want you now to go back <laughs> to the six hundred. Jesus, yeah. come on! You have to go back to the six hundred. Yeah. It's it's if you could swing it by, maybe you can get a nice you know financing deal and get a new bike and maybe race both. Maybe that's a possibility. But it looks like you definitely got to get back into that six hundred. You smile every time you say six hundred. You're yeah. smiling when you say thousand. You're like fuck it's work it's It's work work. i'm sweating this is too much i didn't sign up for this shit yeah it's uh like i said my teammate kind of wanted me to because i told you i did like one tryout on the on that race and uh, i beat him yeah 
and I, I felt good. Look, you're oh, smiling man. again. Is, Fuck, I don't know why I don't so have cameras pissed. yet. It was so pissed. He goes, I told him, dude, what's going on? I haven't touched a 600 for four years. He goes, no, my motor and this. He really got. He really had a problem with his bike, but it got to him. But I was also on a seven-year-old bike, so I told him, listen, I haven't touched the bike and all that. He goes, I want my revenge. You gotta get a 600. So he wants me to get a 600. But um, we want you to get. Yeah, a 600. I don't think he's gonna like me on a six hundred. <laughs> Mookie, if you listen, <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully next time we get you on here, you got back your six hundred and you're feeling good. And uh, once again, where can people find you? What's your Instagram and uh, Instagram is racer one six one. You know, I promise to maintain that page a little bit more. Um, you know, and uh, my Facebook is also Racer161. And, um, yeah, um, you know, if anybody uh, want to say hi at the track, come over. I'll give him some uh, Ride Clean uh, uh, spray, polish spray. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Sal. Yeah. Brother, I appreciate it. Thank you for being on the podcast. Cool, man. All right. And that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Ride Boundless podcast. Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe. More importantly, share, 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 share. If you know anybody that's in the motorcycle or car industry or is a fanatic or whatever the case is, let them know about this podcast. Sharing is caring. Um, If you've already subscribed, thank you. If you haven't, make sure to do it. Until next week. Ride safe, ride hard, ride boundless.